0: few years I've been able to put together and bring out a handful of little pocket-sized books of poetry through S4N books. And I've called the series uh, S4N Pocket Poems. And it was Whitman's Song of Myself that made up the first two volumes, the original edition and the last version of the poem, the 1855 and 1892. And there was also Tennyson's In Memoriam, and just this week, two other books came out in the series. Uh, one of them has the first two books that Robert Frost brought out, A Boy's Will and North of Boston. And the second one is one that I'm really proud of, uh, having made the selection uh, for my favorite of his poems. It's just William Wordsworth's Selected Poems, and it's about 150 pages or so. And it has every it has everything of his that I really love other than uh, excerpts from the Prelude. And just to sort of uh, celebrate that book and just to celebrate him, I wanted to read three poems from the book here, three of his uh, most famous poems. The first one is what is known today as the Ode, Intimations of Immortality. Although when it was first published in 1807, It uh, just had the title of Ode, and it wasn't until, I believe, 1815 that the poem was sort of edited and uh, messed with slightly, as Wordsworth liked to do, and only then did it take on its common name right now, Ode, Intimations of Immortality. As with Whitman, so with Wordsworth, the version that I read here. And the version that I wanted to publish in the book uh, comes from the earliest published edition. There was a time when meadow, grove, and stream, the earth and every common sight to me did seem appareled in celestial light, the glory and the freshness of a dream. It is not now as it has been of yore Turn, wheresoever I may, by night or day, The things which I have seen, I now can see no more. The rainbow comes and goes, and lovely is the rose. The moon doth with delight look round her, When the heavens are bare. Waters on a starry night are beautiful and fair. The sunshine is a glorious birth, but yet I know, Wherever I go, that there hath passed away, a glory from the earth. Now while the birds thus sing a joyous song, and while the young lambs bound as to the Tabor sound, to me alone there came a thought of grief, a timely utterance gave that thought relief, and again I am strong. The cataracts blow their trumpets from the steep, no more shall grief of mine the season wrong. I hear the echoes through the mountains throng the winds come to me from the fields of sleep and all the earth is gay land and sea give themselves up to jollity and with the heart of may doth every beast keep holiday the child of joy shouts round me let me hear thy shouts thou happy shepherd boy ye blessed creatures I have heard the call ye to each other make, I see the heavens laugh with you in your jubilee, my heart is at your festival, my head hath its coronal, the fullness of your bliss I feel, I feel it all. O evil day, if I were sullen, while the earth herself is adorning, this sweet May morning, and the children are pulling on every side, and a thousand valleys far and wide, Fresh flowers, while the sun shines warm, and the babe leaps upon his mother's arm. I hear, I hear, with joy I hear, but there's a tree, of many one, a single field which I have looked upon. Both of them speak of something that is gone. The pansy at my feet doth the same tale repeat. Whither is fled the visionary gleam? Where is it now, the glory and the dream? Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life's star, hath had elsewhere its setting, and cometh from afar. Not in entire forgetfulness, and not in utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. Shades of the prison house begin to close upon the growing boy, but he beholds the light, and whence it flows, he sees it in his joy. The youth who daily farther from the east must travel, still is nature's priest, and by the vision splendid is on his way attended. At length the man perceives it die away and fade into the light of common day. Earth fills her lap with pleasures of her own, yearnings she hath in her own natural kind, and even with something of a mother's mind, and no unworthy aim, the homely nurse doth all she can to make her foster child, her inmate man, forget all the glories he hath known, and that imperial palace whence he came. Behold the child among his newborn blisses, a four years darling of a pygmy size. See, where amid work of his own hand he lies, fretted by sallies of his mother's kisses, with light upon him from his father's eyes. See, at his feet, some little plan or chart, some fragment from his dream of human life, shaped by himself with newly learned art a wedding or a festival, a mourning or a funeral, and this hath now his heart, and unto this he frames his song, then will he fit his tongue to dialogues of business, love, or strife. But it will not be long, ere this be thrown aside, and with new joy and pride the little actor cons another part, filling from time to time his humorous stage with all the persons, down to palsied age, that life brings with her and her equipage, as if his whole vocation were endless imitation. Thou, whose exterior semblance doth belie thy soul's immensity, thou, best philosopher, who yet dost keep thy heritage, thou, I, among the blind, That, deaf and silent, readest the eternal deep, Haunted forever by the eternal mind, Mighty prophet, seer blessed, On whom those truths do rest, Which we are toiling all our lives to find, Thou, over whom thy immortality broods like the day, a master over a slave, A presence which is not to be put by, To whom the grave is but a lonely bed Without the sense or sight Of day or the warm light A place of thought Where we in waiting lie Thou little child Yet glorious in the might Of untamed pleasures On thy being's height Why with such earnest pains Dost thou provoke The years to bring The inevitable yoke Thus blindly with thy blessedness at strife Full soon thy soul shall have her earthly freight, And custom lie upon thee with a weight heavy as frost, And deep almost as life. O joy, that in our embers is something that doth live, That nature yet remembers what was so fugitive. The thought of our past years in me doth breed perpetual benedictions, not indeed for that which is most worthy to be blessed, Delight and liberty, The simple creed of childhood, Whether fluttering or at rest, With newborn hope forever in his breast, Not for these I raise the song of thanks and praise, But for those obstinate questionings Of sense and outward things, Falling from us, the vanishings, Blank misgivings of a creature, Moving about in worlds not realized, high instincts, before which our mortal nature did tremble like a guilty thing surprised. But for those first affections, those shadowy recollections, which, be they what they may, are yet the fountain light of all our day, are yet a master light of all our seeing, uphold us, cherish us, and make our noisy years seem moments in the being, of the eternal silence, truths that wake to perish never, which neither listlessness nor mad endeavor, nor man nor boy, nor all that is at enmity with joy, can utterly abolish or destroy. Hence, in a season of calm weather, though inland far we be, our souls have sight of that immortal sea which brought us hither. Can in a moment travel thither, and see the children sport upon the shore, and hear the mighty waters rolling evermore. Then, sing ye, birds, sing, sing a joyous song, and let the young lambs bound as to the tapers sound. We in thought will join your throng, ye that pipe and ye that play, ye that through your hearts today feel the gladness of the may. What though the radiance, which was once so bright, be now forever taken from my sight? Though nothing can bring back the hour of splendor in the grass, of glory in the flower, we will grieve not, rather find strength in what remains behind, in the primal sympathy which having been must ever be, in the soothing thoughts that spring out of human suffering in the faith that looks through death, in years that bring the philosophic mind. And, O ye fountains, meadows, hills, and groves, think not of any severing of our loves. Yet in my heart of hearts I feel your might. I only have relinquished one delight to live beneath your more habitual sway, I love the brooks which down their channels fret, even more than when I tripped lightly as they. The innocent brightness of a newborn day is lovely yet. The clouds that gather round the setting sun do take a sober colouring from an eye that hath kept watch over man's mortality. Another race hath been, and other palms are won. Thanks to the human heart by which we live Thanks to its tenderness, its joys and fears To me, the meanest flower that blows can give Thoughts that do often lie too deep For tears Not bad Two hundred and Sixteen years later Not bad And here is one sonnet from Wordsworth. One of the things that surprised me uh, about uh, finally getting into Wordsworth was uh, what wonderful sonnets he wrote. And I'll just read one of them here. This is when he is calling on uh, John Milton. This is London, 1802. Milton, thou shouldst be living at this hour, England hath need of thee, she is a fen of stagnant waters, altar, sword, and pen, fireside, the heroic wealth of hall and bower, have forfeited their ancient English dower of inward happiness. We are selfish men, oh, raise us up, return to us again, and give us manners, virtue, freedom, power, thy soul was like a star and dwelt apart, thou hadst a voice whose sound was like the sea, pure as the naked heavens, majestic, free, so didst thou travel in life's common way in cheerful godliness, and yet thy heart the lowliest duties on itself did lay. And one more, perhaps my favorite short poem of his, one of perhaps one of my favorite short poems by anybody. Um, I've recorded it here before, but it has a nice place after the two poems that I just read. Uh, this is called St. Paul's. This is another poem about London, but with an entirely different mood. St. Paul's. Pressed with conflicting thoughts Of love and fear I parted from thee, friend And took my way through the great city Pacing with an eye downcast Ears sleeping And feet masterless That were sufficient guide unto themselves And step by step went pensively Now mark Not how my trouble was entirely hushed That might not be but how by sudden gift, gift of imagination's holy power, my soul in her uneasiness received an anchor of stability. It chanced that while I thus was pacing, I raised up my heavy eyes and instantly beheld, saw at a glance in that familiar spot, a visionary scene, a length of street laid open in its morning quietness, deep, hollow, unobstructed, vacant, smooth, and white with winter's purest white, as fair, as fresh, and spotless as he ever sheds on field or mountain. Moving form was none, save here and there, a shadowy passenger, slow, shadowy, silent, dusky, and beyond. And high above this winding length of street, this noiseless and unpeopled avenue pure, silent solemn, beautiful was seen the huge majestic temple of St. Paul an awful sequestration through a veil through its own sacred veil of falling snow and I'm feeling inspired here so I'll read one more Uh, the first or second night that my daughter spent at home after she was born. I remember it must have been eight or eight or nine o'clock at night and uh, it was still in the middle of winter. And I remember her in her rocker in one of the swings that would help her sleep. And she wasn't swinging uh, just yet, but uh, I remember pulling the ottoman up close to where she was. And this is the first poem that I ever read to her. This is the first thing she ever heard me read from and I can still sort of see the curious bizarre look on her face wondering not just still wondering just exactly who I am and what our house was but now what exactly are you doing with this thing and the noise you're making with your mouth with it Um, I remember all this very clearly and I have it written in the paperback of Wordsworth and now this is one of, the, one of the pieces in the small book I made that um, I'm really happy is there just for that memory. This is the first thing that I ever read to my newborn daughter. And it is from uh, a sequence of five poems that Wordsworth called Poems on the Naming of Places. And this is just part one. It was an April morning... Fresh and clear the rivulet, delighting in its strength, ran with a young man's speed, and yet the voice of waters which the winter had supplied was softened down into a vernal tone, the spirit of enjoyment and desire and hopes and wishes from all living things went circling like a multitude of sounds. The budding groves appeared as if in haste, to spur the steps of june as if their shades of various green were hindrances that stood between them and their object yet meanwhile there was such deep contentment in the air that every naked ash and tardy tree yet leafless seemed as though the countenance with which it looked on this delightful day were native to the summer up the brook i roamed in the confusion of my heart alive to all things and forgetting all at length i to a sudden turning came in this continuous glen where down a rock the stream so ardent in its course before sent forth such sallies of glad sound that all which i till then had heard appeared the voice of common pleasure beast and bird the lamb the shepherd's dog, the linnet and the thrush, vied with this waterfall and made a song which, while I listened, seemed like the wild growth or like some natural produce of the air that could not cease to be. Green leaves were here, but twas the foliage of the rocks, the birch, the yew, the holly, and the bright green thorn with hanging islands of resplendent firs, and on a summit distant a short space, by any who should look beyond the dell, a single mountain cottage might be seen. I gazed and gazed, and to myself I said, Our thoughts at least are ours, and this wild nook, my Evie, I will dedicate to thee. Soon did the spot, become my other home, my dwelling and my out-of-doors abode, and of the shepherds who have seen me there, to whom I sometimes in our idle talk have told this fancy, two or three perhaps, years after we are gone and in our graves, when they have cause to speak of this wild place, may call it by the name of Evie's dell' So that's a bit of Wordsworth for tonight. As I near episode number 200, I suddenly had the thought today, what about beauty? Uh, What about happiness? I realize there's not a whole lot of that sometimes on this space. And I thought, why don't I read something about Guy Fawkes Day, which is tomorrow? Uh, Why don't I read something about what the CIA did with uh, mind-control drugs in the 50s and 60s? And then I stopped myself and said, "What about beauty? What about happiness And uh, I make a a promise here that I will hope to keep that uh, the next two hundred episodes, however long it takes to make them, will have a bit more of that, a bit more of beauty and happiness, and I hope that uh these handful of poems have suggested as much tonight. Any comments or suggestions for readings I should make in future episodes can be emailed to human voices wake Us, the number one, at gmail.com Links to each work used in this episode can be found in the episode description. If you enjoy Human Voices Wake Us, You can subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. The music here is Duke Ellington's Arabesque Cookie.